a church plant moment. I went through the procession and forgot to even put my microphone on. <laughs> uh, well, it was eight years ago this summer that I first moved here to go to Denver Seminary. And I remember being really excited about it, really looking forward to coming out to Denver, really looking forward to starting my studies. But there's always nervousness about a big move like that. I was born in Illinois, raised in Minnesota, went to college in the Midwest. And so I was leaving the only part of the country that I'd really ever known to come out to the mountains. And so, of course, there was all this excitement, all this joy. Denver's a pretty exciting place to come to, but there was always a little bit of nervousness as well, some anxiety about stepping out into the unknown, stepping out into this, this calling that I had sensed God place on my life. And I have the, the honor of walking with teenagers every year through lots of these kinds of transitions as they're stepping out into the unknown, some exciting things, but, but some things that bring some worries. We, we see our fifth graders this summer are transitioning into middle school. We've got eighth graders transitioning into high school. We've got seniors who just graduated and are stepping into adulthood in a brand new way. It's exciting. It's joyful. It's worth celebrating. And it also brings some anxiety. There's a step into the unknown. And maybe you can relate to that. Probably all of us can think of an experience in our lives where we were excited about that next step, excited about that transition, but we didn't know what was next. And it, it brought some worry, some fear, some anxiety. Maybe it was when you graduated high school. Maybe it was when you made a move across the country or across the world. Maybe it was when you started a business. Maybe it was when you had your first child. All of us can relate to this experience of excitement about what we're doing next, what God is calling us into, and fear about that unknown. And I remember having this conversation with my dad as he was helping me get settled at my apartment, and I was asking all the wrong questions. What if Denver is a mistake? What if I'm not supposed to be here? What if I'm not cut out to be a pastor? What if there's no church here and I, I won't find a job here in Denver? And my dad reminded me of something that Pastor John Piper had taught him, that every time we choose to follow God's call on our life, every time we choose to have faith, to trust that we need to step out into the unknown, there will be risk. Risk is inherent to the life of faith. You cannot separate risk from faith. If, it, if there was no risk, if God just told us everything that was coming, he wouldn't be asking us to trust him. He'd be asking us to make a good decision. And so if we are going to be followers of Jesus, who need to have faith, trust in our God, we will experience real risk. This summer, we're going through the Psalms. We're not preaching all 150, just a selection. But we're seeing again and again how the Psalms were the original prayer book of the church. They were Jesus' prayer book. And therefore, they lead us into deeper communion with Jesus. And they also free up our devotional lives to love and serve God more fully. And we're going to look at a very famous Psalm this morning, Psalm 121, which is a Psalm that reminds us there's good reason for fear for anxiety, for worry. There's real danger in stepping out to obey and follow God. And yet there's even greater reason to have faith, to trust him. He is trustworthy. So we're answering the question this morning, what do I do with my fears and my anxieties as I'm trying to follow God? And we're gonna see three answers in our Psalm this morning. First, when you face fear and anxiety, you need to start with trust, simple trust in God. Second, when you face fear and anxiety, you need to remember the character of God. 
And finally, when you face fear and anxiety, you need to cling to the love of God for you in Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 121. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, I'm encouraging you this summer to consider memorizing the Psalms that I preach on. We talked about how when you memorize a Psalm, when you memorize a scripture, it's in your mind, it's in your heart, it's at hand, ready to be used when you need it. And so when we're talking about anxiety and fear this morning, when you have Psalm 121 memorized and you face those fears or those anxieties, you have a tool to calm your heart, to remind yourself the peace that you have in God. And Andrew did an awesome job last week memorizing a much longer Psalm than I have. I don't think I'm particularly good at this. I totally stumbled over it in the first service. The point is not perfection. The point is having the word of God in our hearts. So I'm going to try to recite from memory, and you follow along in your scriptures. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot uh, be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the first, thanks. <laughs> the first thing you see in our text is that when you face fears and anxieties, you just need to start with trust. So to give us a little background on our psalm, we'll talk about this dynamic that seems counterintuitive. How can I be living a life of faith and experience anxiety at the same time? And then this, this final simple trust that we start with. So a song of a sense might not mean anything to you, but it, it's really helpful in giving us context to our psalm. There are 15 psalms of ascent in the, the whole Psalter, and they're for the pilgrimages that people would be making to and from the temple in ancient Israel. There were three times a year that God's people were required to come together at the temple. It was Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And so this would be a common journey that people would have to take. And the psalms of ascent were there to prepare the people's hearts to go to worship, to fulfill their vows, to make sacrifice, and to prepare their hearts to return home from having been in Jerusalem. And so we see in Psalm 121, one of the first songs of ascent, that there's this need to calm fears and anxieties for the journey. You see, many of them were, were not journeying like we journey today. They weren't, certainly weren't in cars or airplanes with air conditioning and snacks and relative comfort. They were on foot. Some of them were close to Jerusalem, but some of them many days journeys away. And they would have to travel over rough terrain and through the, the weather and the elements. They'd have to perhaps see wild animals. They would even see dangerous robbers at times. We see this in the story of the Good Samaritan when Jesus tells a parable of a journey between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it starts with a man being assaulted and left for dead. And so the start of our psalm is somebody who's a pilgrim looking up to the hills they're scared. They're scared about this journey that is coming ahead of them, and they're looking for help. And so I want you to know that the starting place of our psalm is that there are good reasons to be anxious and afraid when you desire to obey God, when you desire to go to worship, to fulfill your vows to the Lord, to obey him, to serve him, 
There are still good reasons to be afraid, to be anxious. And you don't need to feel like a weirdo if you're like, why am I so full of worry even though I'm trying to honor God? It is completely normal for you to feel worried because risk is a natural part of your faith. Like I said in my introduction, when you want to follow God, when you want to trust his call upon your life, it entails risk. But it wasn't just the paradigm for pilgrims who to be obedient to God had to go on a perilous journey. It's actually the paradigm of all God's people throughout the scriptures. You see it in Abraham when his name was Abram and he was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to a new land he'd never heard of to leave everything he'd ever known behind. A big risk. We see it again later in his life. God has given Abraham the child of promise, Isaac, and God asks him to sacrifice his son, his whole future. And Abraham has to trust that God has a good plan. You see it in Moses, who's in the wilderness of Midian, and God shows up in the burning bush, and he asks him to go into Egypt and demand from Pharaoh that he let his people go, and he had to trust that God would protect him, that God would show up in a mighty way to save Israel. You see it in Joshua, who is the, the successor to Moses. He has to lead the people of Israel into the promised land and trust that God will fight their battles with them and protect them against these massive forces. And on and on and on. You see it all over the book of Judges as God's people have to trust that he will save them. You see it in David and the kings. You see it in Elijah and the prophets and into the New Testament. Whenever there are God's people, Trusting in God, following God's call on their life, there's real danger present. Really good reasons to be afraid, to be anxious. And so you are not weird if you feel like it produces some anxiety in you when you're trying to obey and follow God as you're called. That's actually totally normal. But then the only response that makes sense is the pilgrim's. The pilgrim looks up to the hills, immediately asks for help. I need help. I'm scared. And his response is, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And there's two quick features I want to notice about that, that prayer. The Lord, whenever you see Lord in all capital letters in your Bible, that's not literally the word Lord. In Hebrew, that's Yahweh, the personal name of God. And Yahweh was always associated with when he revealed his name to Moses at the burning bush. So the name Yahweh is one, personal, he's my God, but two, Yahweh is the God who redeemed us. Yahweh is the God who saved us. And so God's people are clinging to this hope that God is Savior. And then secondly, God is my creator. God is the one who made heaven and earth. There's no other God who's bigger, who's stronger, who's wiser, who's more capable of helping me in my distress. And so the simple faith the simple faith statement is Yahweh, my God, my Savior, my Creator, He's my help. That's the simple faith that the pilgrim starts with before we get into any of the rest of the psalm. It gives us so many other wonderful reasons to trust God. It starts with this simple faith. So I have two questions for you in this room this morning. And the first is a little uncomfortable. Does this idea of a risky faith hit home, or is it entirely foreign to you? You see, there are a lot of American Christians who have Jesus as an accessory to their life. 
And being a follower of Jesus is really about having a life going up and to the right, having more success because I'm a follower of Jesus. And because I follow Jesus, I'll be really comfortable and happy and things are gonna go good for me. And you won't find that message anywhere in the Bible. In fact, you might find the opposite message. If you read Hebrews 11, which is often called the Hall of Faith instead of the Hall of Fame, you see all these Old Testament saints, many of whom I've just talked about, and how they didn't see the fulfillment of God's promises this side of heaven. They died without seeing the fulfillment of those promises. And in fact, the message of their lives was that they weren't looking for comfort in this life. They weren't looking for worldly satisfaction. They were looking for a heavenly country. They were looking to be home with God. And so if you're sitting here this morning and the concept of risky faith doesn't make any sense to you, if there's nothing costly or risky about following Jesus for you, then you might want to ask yourself whose kingdom you're pursuing. And I know that sounds harsh, but I don't mean to be harsh with you. I want to wake you up. This is a, a contradictory idea at first glance. Jesus tells us in our gospel reading not to worry. Paul tells us don't be anxious about anything. But when you look at what they're actually talking about, they're saying don't worry about your life. Don't worry about earthly things, clothing and food and shelter. God knows you need those things. But what does Jesus tell us to worry about? Seek first the kingdom of heaven Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's something to be worried about. Am I pursuing God with my life? Is Jesus my Lord? Am I taking the step of faith he's asking me, he's calling me into? Do you know that risky faith? Now, I think the majority of us in this room are not in that category, actually. I think actually many of us are fully aware that certainly in America, but more broadly than that, there's an epidemic of anxiety. Most of us are not walking in too comfortable, too at ease, but actually are too overwhelmed by our fears and anxieties. And I want you to hear the main thrust of Psalm 121, which is comfort and peace for anxious, fearful people. And so my question for you, if you're not too comfortable this morning, you're actually too overwhelmed by your fears and your anxieties, is simply, where do you start? Where do you turn first? Who do you look to? Maybe you look to a good place, but not the best place. Maybe you go to your spouse or your best friend or a mentor. Maybe you go to a really destructive place. Maybe you go to a drink or an addiction or a screen to numb the feeling. But the pilgrim, he starts with God. He starts with this simple trust. God is my savior. God is my creator. He is my help. Is he yours? Look back at the psalm again. We'll get to the thrust of this psalm in verses three through eight. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The first thing we see in our text is that when we face fears and anxieties, the place to start is simple trust in God. 
The second thing we see is when we face fears and anxieties, we need to remember the character of God. I mentioned already how the Psalms of Ascent were for pilgrims coming to and from Jerusalem, but particularly Psalm 121 looks like it's for the journey home. It's not obvious at first, but there's actually two voices in the text. And so in verses one and two, it's the pilgrim's voice. You see these first person pronouns. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And then in verses three through eight, you see second person pronouns. You, your, repeated again and again. God is your keeper. He who keeps you. And so there's a second voice. And so the first voice is the pilgrim who has come to Jerusalem to worship, but the second voice is the voice of the priest, the voice of the priest encouraging the pilgrim, you have rightfully put your trust in God, Re reassuring them your faith is well placed. Here's why that's important. This psalm is for you this morning and every morning that you come to church. We are reenacting it right now. You have come to serve God to, to give him your worship, your honor, to give him the glory due his name, and you're about to head back out into the real world, back out into normal life. And, and I know from experience, uh, you know, Sunday nights during the school year, we have youth group, and I've heard so many times my youth leaders talk about how they're dreading Monday morning, how they're dreading going back to work. Maybe you have the same feeling. Or when you come back from a vacation, you've been gone a long time and the whole car ride home or the whole flight home, you're just thinking about everything that's awaiting you back in normal life. And so the pilgrims have the same anxieties and worries. One, they're worried about the journey that can be perilous, but they're just worried about life, leaving the temple, going back to their normal world. And so this psalm is for you every time you leave church. And hopefully, Pastor Tim and I are doing a good job of enacting the priestly role every week, reminding you the true character of God, giving you comfort and peace, knowing that you have rightly put your faith in our God, that he is trustworthy. So the priest in our text does that through three images, and we'll look at each in turn. They're each a, a paired parallelism, verse three and four, five and six, seven and eight. The first image is of God, a shepherd. The second is of God, a warrior. And the third is God, a watchman. So in verses three and four, you don't see the word shepherd, but you see this shepherding behavior that like a shepherd who guards the steps, who guides a sheep through treacherous terrain, who doesn't let the sheep be hurt, fall into a ravine, God will not let your foot be moved. And then also like a shepherd who stays awake during the night to protect the sheep from dangerous predators, God does not sleep, he does not slumber. And this was a profound theological belief in the ancient Near East. The ancient Near East was much like what you think of with Greek mythology. The, the ancient gods were believed to be very human-like in their motivations and their actions. And so one example is Baal, the god of rain and of fertility, was thought to be asleep during the summer months. And that's why it got so hot and nothing could grow. But in contrast to that, the priest is reminding Israel we don't have a God like that. Our God is not like these, these false gods of the, the rest of the ancient Near East. Our God has no need for rest. He is infinite in his power and infinite in his concern and love and care for you. He is a good shepherd who watches over you always. 
The second image is that of a warrior. Again, the word's not in the text, but you see it in this image of God being at your right hand, your shade defending you from the sun and the moon. And in ancient battle, warriors would carry their shields in the left hand. And so you could protect yourself from this side, this flank, but the opposite had to be protected by the warrior standing next to you. And so the image is that God is that warrior. God is the warrior who fights your battles with you, and he is such a good defender that he can be said to be shade from the sun and the moon. There's nothing that can strike you. His defense is so strong. He is always with you, protecting you. And then finally, you see in the last parallel, verses seven and eight, that God is a watchman who keeps his people. That word keep is clearly the key word in this psalm. It shows up six times. It shows up three times in verses seven and eight. The word in Hebrew is samar, and it, it simply means to guard, to watch over, to protect. And so God is like a watchman guarding a city, except it's far more personal than that. God is your personal watchman. He will protect your life and he protects you wherever you go and when you return again to worship. He is watching over you. He is true and sure protection. And there are many scholars who actually argue that because of this key word, keep over and over in our psalm, you could interpret Psalm 121 as an expansion of the Aaronic, the priestly blessing you find in Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. And so here's the priest taking that priestly blessing from Numbers 6 and just expanding it. How much will God keep you? How much will he protect you? How sure and certain is his blessing? It is guaranteed forever. And so the pilgrim has real reason to be afraid, real reason to be anxious. And the priest gives him reassurance. You have rightly put your trust in God. He is a good shepherd. He is a mighty warrior. He is your watchman who is with you always. And here's what that means for us. Here's what that does for us. Each one of us in this room has a gap that we're not always aware of, a gap between our formal view of God and our functional view of God. Our formal view of God is what we say we believe. It's like at the end of this sermon, we're gonna stand up and we're gonna recite the creed together and you'd say, I believe these things. But then there's this functional view that differs sometimes wildly from what I say I believe. And so I might say I believe that God is merciful and kind and gracious, but functionally when I know I've sinned, I stop praying because I think God hates me, that he is disappointed in me, that he's an angry God who doesn't want to be near me. And so you can see how there can be a wild gap between what I say I believe formally and then my functional, what my life shows me I really believe. And so there's a gap between what you believe about the character of God and who he really is. And this psalm exists to help close that gap. This is another reason why I so strongly encourage you to memorize scripture, because your life circumstances will try to tell you that the psalm isn't true. Your life circumstances will try to tell you that God has forsaken you, that God doesn't care about your distress, that God is not a good shepherd, and you need to remember the truth. You need to be reminded, rehearse in your heart what the true character of God is, that he is a good, loving shepherd, that he is a mighty warrior who fights with you in all your battles.
that he is a true watchman who goes with you wherever you are. He loves you. He cares for you. And so you need to know God is your shepherd. God is the warrior who fights with you. God is the watchman who's with you wherever you go. We need to close that gap by remembering the true character of God. Look back at verses seven and eight one more time with me. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your, keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The first thing we really see in our text today is that when we face fears and anxieties, we need to start with trust in God. The second thing is we, we see is that when we face fears and anxieties, we need to remember the character of God. But finally, when we face fears and anxieties, we need to remember and cling to the love of God displayed for us in Jesus Christ. You see, the, the promises of verses seven and eight are really bold. They're really big promises. God will keep me from all evil. He will keep my life. He will keep my going out and my coming in from now and forevermore. Those are promises that can be hard to believe and that at times in our lives don't appear true. How can God say that when I've lost somebody I love? How can God say that when I've gotten a terrible diagnosis? How can God say that when I've lost my job and I can't pay my bills? How can God say that when I'm facing disaster in my life? How can I know that it's true? And so often, again, our life experiences will try to tell us that the word of God is not true, that the promises are not real. But there's something that stands above and against those lies that never shakes, and it's the cross of Christ. That God so loved us that he gave up his only son that we might have everlasting life. So how can God say to us, he will keep us from all evil? Because Jesus Christ, the son of God, the only perfectly good man was given over to evil. It was the greatest evil the world had ever seen because he was the only truly innocent person. And Christ was given over to evil that we might ultimately be protected from evil. How can God say that he keeps our life? Because Jesus Christ, the son of God was given over to death the only perfectly righteous person who obeyed God in everything that he did and said, who deserved life abundant, went to the cross and his life was choked out so that when we put our trust in him, our life eternal would be secure. How can God say that he will keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore? Because the last time Jesus went out from Jerusalem, the father didn't keep him. And the only way that he came back in was through the grave, through the tomb. So now when we trust in Jesus, God is our keeper now and well beyond the grave for everlasting. You see, the cross of Christ is the promise of God's love to you that makes all the other promises of scripture come true that helps you to realize that really everything is yes and amen in Jesus Christ, that God's love is absolutely sure no matter what my circumstances. And so because of the cross of Christ, 
Even though Psalm 121 might sound like it rings hollow, I can know it's true. I can, with the Apostle Paul, say what he said in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Will my circumstances separate me from the love of God? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I cling to the cross of Christ, I know that God's love is for me. I know that his promises are true. So no matter what risk he is calling me into, I can trust him. I don't know what you brought in this morning. Maybe you are overwhelmed today by your anxieties, your fears, consumed by your worries. Maybe you came in this morning feeling carefree and I've made you mad by telling you you're too comfortable. Maybe God is simply preparing you for a hard season that hasn't arisen yet and you need a deepening of your faith to be prepared. Whatever you're carrying this morning, you need to cling to the cross of Christ because it's in the cross of Christ that we know God's love is sure and certain. His promises are true. He keeps us forever. God doesn't promise that we won't face risk. He doesn't promise to tell us what's coming next. He doesn't promise to keep us comfortable and safe, but he does promise to keep us he promises to be our help, to be our shepherd, our warrior, our watchman. He promises that his love is irrevocable. In Jesus Christ, he loves you now and forever. So no matter what he's calling you into, you can trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so often at risk of being crushed by our anxieties, our fears, our worries. And we need to see afresh that you love us, that your promises are true, that in Jesus Christ, we are secure in your love. Would you remind us of your great character, that you are the good shepherd, that you are the warrior who defends us, that you are the watchman who keeps us wherever we go. Would you help us to have that simple faith to trust in you? We need you, God. Show us today as we come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, how great and irrevocable your love for us is. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.